about the show today because I've actually lived in Tasmania uh, nine months and been there maybe 25 times since then. And uh, Chris, since you know Paul really well, would you please introduce Paul? Yes. Yeah. I'd like to introduce Paul Proctor, our great guest today. And, and he's an expert in Tasmania travel advice. And he spent a lot of time there and he knows he has a great perspective on people to travel around the island and learn all the great, fascinating places. Welcome, Paul. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. This is a great pleasure. Um, the, the first, my first visit was uh, the month of April 2015, um, and because my my daughter had moved down there in uh, September of 2013 or 14, pardon me, and then my second visit was uh, from early November of 2015 until the end of January 2016. So all told, almost four months that I've spent there in the last year. My, my main reason for going, of course, was to see her, my daughter and uh, her husband and uh, where they were living because she'll be there uh, about three and a half years. Uh, she's working on a Ph.D., and that was my first reason for going down. Um, but within uh, a day or two of being there, I realized that this was a fascinating country and um, definitely wanted to spend more time. Um, so uh, that's what got me interested. And then my the second trip, the longer trip, um, I had... Uh, some specific things in mind that I kind of learned about on my first trip and uh, a long list and I didn't get it all done because the country is just so complex and beautiful. Um, so I think the expectation now is I have to go back. <laughs> and uh, and the the southwest third of the country is uh, accessible by one road, I believe, and uh, other than that, it is truly a wilderness area. And uh, the the trekking and climbing and so forth in that area of Tasmania is is unlimited. And so, I would really like to go back and and visit that. Um, more of an adventure tourist. Um, my first few trips, of course, were not. And but at the country, you can see so much of it from the roads that you really get a sense of what those wilderness areas are like. Yeah, I've been um, the first time I ever went to Tasmania was um, fifty years ago, I guess. Yeah, about fifty years ago, and um, I was amazed at um, how historical it is, how much some of it even reminds me of England. Uh, it's interesting about Tasmania that I found um, Hobart, which is the capital of the state, 
was um, founded, if I remember right, about 15 years after Sydney in the early 1800s. And um, it vied with Sydney uh, quite, um, quite actively, which one was going to be the capital of the country because they were the only two areas that were really populated in those days. And um, uh, both Sydney and Hobart um, were areas, were founded really as penal colonies by England. And as a result, um, Sydney went out, uh, fortunately for everyone, I think, because um, it's more lo- it's more easily located because Tasmania is an island uh, that is south of the uh, mainland or the major part of Australia where everyone goes. But um, as Paul said, um, it is small. Uh, and it's not easy. To, well, it is easy to get around, but there are no freeways. Uh, the roads are two lane everywhere, and they twist and turn and go through very small towns. So you can't go very fast, can you, Paul? No, no, you can't. And um, and it's uh, driving on the left, right? Um, <laughs> and and uh, so yeah. Um, and uh, in fact, the, the first thing I think I I did, and I would recommend everyone do, is um, somehow a bus or something get to the top of Mount Wellington, yes. which is just dominates the the skyline of Hobart and from the top of Mount Wellington you can see um so far to the east and to the north and Hobart is right below at the uh, foothills and then even to the south and southwest and you get some sense of what the city's like and how to get around in the city but also um you see uh, beautiful places in the distance that you can access by car. Um, and then, and you shouldn't be afraid of driving on the left. Uh, it takes a little while to get used to it. The, the rental car people are very understanding. Um, you have a and it, <laughs> yes, they give you uh, two or three tips that make sure you won't get in a wreck and then you're, you're good. And once you get out of the city center of Hobart, um, it it becomes traffic isn't an issue, and and you can stop along the way anytime and take a look at the scenery. But and Jerry's very correct. It it has such a long history. Um, there are so many uh, esplanades and and treks and short walks around Hobart area. Um, I remember walking along one and came across a plaque that Captain Cook had uh, anchored his vessel off of this one point as he was visiting. And at the top of Mount Wellington is a plaque dedicated to Charles Darwin, who, when he uh, was returning to England from his voyage on the Beagle, he had climbed Mount Wellington and some of Charles Darwin's thoughts. So. The history of Tasmania, at least after colonization, is just fascinating, and um, it's surprising. And suddenly you be, you start looking for all of those features of Tasmania. Uh, it really is a fascinating place. 
another thing that I really like about Tasmania is um, not only the history, which is unbelievable, is that it's not like the rest of Australia in many, many ways. Um, I, it has to do primarily, I think, because it is a little bit farther south, and so the weather's a little bit colder. Although, you know, it, where people live, uh, having lived there for nine months in Nonsistan and, and New Norfolk and been back uh, all months of the year, um, it's amazing how mild it is for being so far south. Um, it rarely, rarely, rarely gets below 35 degrees Fahrenheit. And I guess it's more like San Francisco. If it hits 75 degrees up in Tasmania, they start to die because <laughs> they think it's a heat wave. Um, well, I'll give you an example. One morning uh, when I was living there, uh, it was February the 3rd, my birthday, which is like the 3rd of August north of the equator, so it should be quite warm. And I was standing out on the lawn and in the front of the house waiting for someone to pick me up. It must have been, I don't know, 637. And uh, it was cold. It was cold. And that was a no system. I mean, I had um, a jumper, which is what they call their sweaters, and um, a shirt underneath, and a jacket. And I was cold. And it was so cold <clears throat> that I noticed, um, I just happened to look down, and here was this snake, a brown snake, a very deadly poisonous snake, and it was so cold it couldn't move. But since I uh, have a horrible phobia of snakes, I must have jumped five feet, and um, fortunately it didn't move because it's so cold. And we should talk about the weather in Tasmania for a while. Because I mean, even though it's a, and Paul has been there, uh, two major parts of the seasons, and uh, please comment, Paul. But I find it's um, interesting that, like in Norfolk, in the winter, their winter is mainly June, July, and August. And um, I'm sorry, I lied. Um, yeah, June, July, and August. And it um, for 45 days when I lived there, uh, we never saw the sun. Is all fog, dense fog. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a fascinating climate. Um, of course, the April that I was there is is early fall, um, but it got progressively cold and rainy. And when when I left, uh, it had snowed at the upper portions of Mount Wellington. Um, oh. The snow it will snow on occasion in. Uh, in their winter, uh, which is our summer, um, this year in particular, it's been a very, very uh, difficult winter. But um, it quickly melts. Uh, although there is a ski resort uh, in the center of Tasmania, which uh, I walked up to. I, I drove a four-wheel drive road, and then you had to walk a couple of kilometers to get to the resort. I did that in April just to see what it was like. Um, sometimes it's open, and but most of the time it's not because they don't get enough snow. Um, so, uh, and it gets cold and rainy. Um, my daughter describes it as uh, sort of a cold London. She spent a couple of years in England uh, in school. Um, 
on the other hand, when I was there in uh, November, December, and January, um, we went to the beach every day. And uh, sometimes, yes, a little bit chilly. You're right, Jerry. And the water is always a little bit chilly. Um, but the sun is out and uh, the people are out on the beach and it's just beautiful. Um, and to Jerry's point, though, um, there's a fair amount of surfing in Tasmania. Everybody's wearing a full wetsuit when they go swim, uh, surfing, even in the summertime. Yeah, it reminds me of the water of Los Angeles. Didn't it, Have you been to Los Angeles, to like Huntington State Beach Park or something? Not uh, many, Paul? not in many, many years, yeah. Well, um, the water there reminds me of going into the water in Southern California. It, it's cold, but you don't die. But it is, you do, if you want to stay out there in it, you really need a wetsuit. Because um, it is cold water. Even though the beaches on the East Coast, uh, all the way from uh, St. Helens, St. Mary's on down, uh, I mean, you could. I mean, some of the longest beaches I've ever seen in the world, with the exception of maybe uh, parts of Africa on the Sahara and the West oh. Coast. But they, just, yeah, they go like 20 miles long. It, it's beautiful. There's uh, an, a very large island, um, which is, oh, an hour's drive perhaps from Hobart uh, towards the southwest from the southwest coast, Bruni Island. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of agriculture, uh, accessible only by ferry, a small ferry. Um and the southern part of the island is a national park. Um, and that, that's it's just incredible beaches, white sand, uh, turquoise water, beautiful place. And um, in, in the off-season, those beaches are empty. Uh, it's, it's truly amazing. And... Um, and of course, during the summertime, there is, the tourism is a big in Tasmania, and you'll find a lot of people. But you'll always find room on those beautiful beaches. It's it really is an amazing place. I know. The um, let's talk just a, a bit about Hobart. You already mentioned the historical aspect of it, but um, would you recommend people maybe staying a week in Hobart? And uh, taking day trips out. You mentioned the island. I, I think. No, oh, pardon me. I think Hobart is an excellent base. Um, there a lot more uh, places to stay. Um, the the restaurants uh, and so forth in Hobart are, are wonderful. Um, there are a lot of things to do in in Hobart, uh, museums and so forth. Um, so it's an excellent place to base yourself from, um, but you need to take more than day trips. Uh, it'll take a couple of days to get to some of the places you're going to want to go and you're going to want to stay in those places. Uh, for example, Port Arthur, uh, which was, I think, the largest of the convict colonies. Jerry, you, you might know more yeah, about I that. Yeah, I think time. it is. I, I, um, I think it is, because it is, um, yeah, I think it is, because it is large. It's huge. Yeah. And, and they, uh, um, you, can, you can stay a whole day there. Easy. Well, can we talk oh, about Port Arthur just a moment while yeah, we're there? And um, we'll go right back. Don't lose track of your thought, Paul. 
because well, and, go ahead. Port Arthur is is as I recall about three hour drive or so mm-hmm. from Hobart. Uh, it's on the yeah the south part of the Tasman Peninsula. Um, if there was a freeway, it would be much much less because uh, the roads are narrow and and two lane. But that's part of the charm. And this particular trip, um, I know I I took it uh, and. It took me probably four or five hours because there were all these places, side roads and places to visit and and uh, vistas and so forth. Um, but it, so it's a beautiful drive down, and there are a lot of uh, resorts to stay at. If you're a, a camper, there are a lot of campgrounds. And uh, even and in Australia, but in Tasmania as well, the availability of small motorhomes is is wonderful um a lot of availability you can rent a small motor home and you can spend weeks traveling about the entire country um but anyway but port arthur is uh, a national park um that has a lot of tours into what was the convict colony very large a beautiful area um and then the tasman peninsula itself is is a developed in the sense that it has tourist facilities, but it's very rugged. Um, they have recently completed a uh, designated trail system, um, the Three Walks, which goes all around the Tasman Peninsula, uh, starts in the area of Port Arthur, and it actually has wonderful uh, facilities, resorts, hotels along the track. And it's a two or three day walk. But um, so if you if you start from Hobart, you drive to Port Arthur, and you're going to want to stay in that area for a day or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I have to mention is uh, there is a tour company that operates uh, tour boats that will go out from Port Arthur and around the Tasman Peninsula, and then back up the East Coast, and then take a, a short bus ride back to the Port Arthur area. It is spectacular. Um, driving along or boating along in, where there are 1,000-foot basalt cliffs coming out of the Southern Ocean um, and the, the wildlife, the bird life. Um, mm-hmm. And all those things at Port Arthur are something that just anybody can do. Um, okay. If you can... Uh, or reasonably fit and can walk a kilometer or two, then you're going to be able to visit all those places. One of the things that I really, well, you were talking about the road coming down the peninsula. I mean, it's unbelievable when you pull off and stand by those cliffs and look down. Well, I can't look because I have a, a fear of heights. But and the waves pounding down there, and um, it's unbelievable as you go to Eagle Hawk's Nest and various areas down. But did you know, uh, next time down, if you go to Port Arthur, Paul, um, go to the what we I call the Quaking Sand Beach. I've heard of others in the world, but I've never been to one. Um, I even have a video of me jumping around, hopping around like I'm on hot, hot coals, and it goes, ah, 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 ah. Uh, it sounds like a little puppy or barking as you uh, jump up and down and you hit the sand. And, 
and it's phenomenal. It's easy to get to from Port Arthur. But uh, one of the main reasons I think you should go to Port Arthur, and it's mandatory, is to go to the actual penal colony. Don't you think, Paul? Oh, yes. It, it is fascinating. It is fascinating. They have a museum there that um, I, the second time I went, I stayed in the museum about four hours. And I never stay in museums four hours. And they have a log, a log from a uh, ship captain bringing the prisoners down. And all of a sudden, Charles Dickens, uh, Oliver, comes to life. You know how they arrested people for stealing a handkerchief or an apple? Uh, and you go read that. And um, it will have on the left side, it goes POME, P-O-M-E, meaning Prisoner of Mother England. It gives the date and the ship and the captain's name. And, and they give the name of the prisoner and why he's there and how long he's there for. And like stealing an apple, uh, two years or something. I mean, it's unbelievable as you go through the uh, log and uh, you walk around. I, I recommend starting at the museum. I really recommend starting at the museum because you, as you tour the ruins, it all of a sudden comes to life. And every one of those bricks was handmade and um, put together in these buildings and cells and things by the prisoners. And also, many of the buildings in Hobart were made by prisoners. And uh, I mean, the history is unbelievable. But I agree with you. You, you need at least one overnight in Arthur, and maybe even two, if you, as you said, or maybe even three. Um, one, one. Uh, Oh, anybody that likes scallops uh, must go to Hobart. Must go to Tasmania, particularly Hobart. Did you get to try any of their scallops, or do you even like scallops, Paul? I I love them. I tried them. They are wonderful. They're the best in the world. They um, are, aren't they? It, it is. They really are the best I mean, in the world, and it's worth yeah. a trip to Hobart just to have the scallops if you like scallops. Because I love scallops, and the first time I ever had them, I thought, oh, my word. There, there is an amazing foodie culture in Hobart, in Tasmania generally. Um, with yes, um, salmon farms, um, very well done, very well managed salmon farms in Tasmania. Uh, a lot of uh, fishing, a fair amount of uh, commercial fishing now, not as much as before, um, but. The number of restaurants that are getting rave reviews throughout Australia and throughout Asia, for that matter, are in Tasmania. There is a large uh, wine um, making community. Um, in fact, my daughter's husband manages a vineyard that is uh, southwest of Hobart uh, in the Huon Valley, um, which we need to talk about the Huon Valley too. Um, oh, and then. Recently, they, uh, there has begun the development of distilleries in Tasmania and uh, the production of, of whiskey, and it's getting a worldwide reputation. So the food and the wine and that sort of thing in Tasmania and is, is really, really nice. Um, but, and, and Port Arthur, even around Port Arthur, there's a um, wonderful... Uh, vineyards and and so forth but then the other place that you can go from Hobart is going up the east coast 
In fact, that's probably the thing that you would start with on your first trip is the East Coast because the Tasman Highway follows uh, the coastline all the way up to the, the northeast tip um, along the ocean, spectacular views, uh, many, many bed and breakfasts and little coffee shops and cafes along the way, uh, and uh, Freycinet National Park, um, which is, is a little bit crowded because it is so well known. Um, particularly for the tourists from Asia, um, which you see a lot of. Um, although you, there are cruise ships now that visit Hobart on a regular basis in season. Mm-hmm. But the Freycinet National Park is about halfway up the East Coast. And then at the very uh, eastern, northeastern edge is the Bay of Fires National Park, mm-hmm. both of which are absolutely spectacular. Um, beautiful, beautiful beaches, beautiful views of the ocean, um, tall cliffs, and you get up on top of, uh, of mountains, lighthouses, and can look out just so far. So um, that becomes a trip that you can take three or four days, uh, which may not be enough, but you'll get a sense of what Tasmania is at that point. Um, so on the first visit, you, you can, there's too much to do, and, and, but if you want a little taste of everything, uh, using Hobart as a base becomes the thing to do. Yeah. Uh, back to the Huon Valley, um, they're world famous for their apples, and they ship those apples to Europe and Asia, and, uh, oh. Uh, when I was living down in Norfolk, which is, uh, I don't know, maybe um, an hour and a half drive out of um, Hobart, going sort of west, northwest a little bit, um, we used to drive down to Hewan Valley in Hewan, and uh, when the apples were in season, and they would let us even go and pick the apples. Oh, my word, are they sweet and juicy. Oh, well, oh, yeah. on, pardon? Yeah, uh, agriculture is... is very large part of, of the Tasmanian uh, economy. And it is amazing. It is just mile after mile of these beautiful, beautiful orchards. Um, they cover their orchards to keep the birds off. So it gives yeah. you some sense of, yeah, uh, of, of the care that they take. And, uh, and then, yeah, they go all over the world. Um, it's interesting because the only way to get anything off of Tasmania is uh, by boat, of course, and much of the uh, cargo is shipped to the north coast and then across the Bass Strait to the mainland of Australia, and from there it goes, goes out across the world. And well, let's talk I, just a minute. I, I did not visit uh, on these trips the north coast of Tasmania. But, Jerry, you've been there, and uh, I looked at a lot of places, and it looks beautiful. Well, let me tell you, um, I have driven around Australia, Australia, excuse me, uh, driven around Tasmania uh, three or four times, and uh, if you're going to Tassie and you're going to go drive around it, uh, and driving is perfectly fine um, because 
as you say, you, you can drive and the roads are fine. And you can't get too lost if you stay on the highway because there's only one road, uh, basically, as you go around it. And um, what I usually do, uh, well, I've done it several ways. You can go to Melbourne and take the ferry, which uh, docks in the northern part into a town called uh, Devonport. And then you can pick up a car there. I've done that twice. It's basically an overnight ferry. And um, then you can start driving. And you drive around one direction and end up the other way and get back to Devonport, and then you take the ferry back. Or you can fly from Melbourne or Sydney nonstop to either Launceston or Hobart. Launceston is in the north, so the northeast part of the island. And then... Um, start your trip driving around, or you can just drive down the center, uh, the eastern part of the center, down to Hobart, if you have limited time, or you can do an around the trip, uh, around, I call it around the world trip, a circle trip, because I rarely ever travel the same road twice. I'd rather die. And as you mentioned, uh, you uh, you can go from Rosas, and if you fly there, or you can start in Hobart, and uh, then start go up the east coast, as he mentioned the St. Mary, St. Helens, and visit those fabulous national parks, and go to uh, Launceston, and then you can drive down the center back to Hobart. And that would take, I'd allow probably minimum, minimum of four days, preferably a week, just to do that drive. And, and if you include Port Arthur, because you will be, you'll drive not too far from Port Arthur as you're doing this circle trip, and then make it a week, easy. And oh, then... yeah. And even uh, and then, then I think you'd be you'd have to be rushing on occasion and which is oh, yeah. something that I don't think you want to do. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. The the tragedy is most Americans think staying a week on a little island, unless it's a beach resort island, um, would be torturous. But you could stay well I was there nine months and I drove all, all over the island and I've been back many times. And um there's still areas that I have, well, not big areas, but there are areas I've not been to. And every time I go back, I do something different. And we're talking about the North Coast. Uh, the drive, and many people, well, not many, because there are not billions of tourists there, but many people, like if they take the ferry to Devonport, will head off to the west and head off towards Smithton. And that drive uh, goes through several towns, like Bernie and Winyard, and um, they have a, a neat rock, I think it's called Rocky Cape National Park. Uh, very interesting scenery. I mean, it, it's a lot of farmland, a lot of sheep, and um, but there's a lot of uh, uh, sort of cliffs on the ocean, uh, on Bass Street, as you mentioned, and then go to Smithton. But if you go that, and it's really neat out there because nobody's ever there. And we have to mention that these towns are small. They're very small, um, maybe 500 to 1,500 population. Uh, throughout all of Australia, with the exception of about three or four of the, the cities, Launceston is large and Hobart is large. But as you mentioned, it isn't big. It is not a huge city. And the whole country, as you mentioned, has about 500,000 people. And but as you go, if you do that route, where you, uh, like fly into Launceston or go to Devonport, and you go west, then you start... Uh, the part that I love, because nobody goes there, or a few, then you'll head down from Burnie, 
and head south, and as you head down, you'll come to Queenstown. And um, this is a mining area where they used to mine copper and um, and I think some other trace minerals. And the landscape is different because it's stained from all this mining. So it's almost like going to a um, colorful moon, I guess you'd say. Because uh, it is interesting. Uh, we should mention at this point that um, different areas, and you mentioned it, the ski resort up there. Um, Australia has some, uh, Tasmania has some very high mountains, not really high, maybe maximum 5,000 feet, maybe a little higher, but there are a lot of mountains in Tassie. And uh, the agricultural part, where the roads are, are between the mountains. And um, so it's neat. But as you go down from Queenstown, if you want to brave the road, I mean, it's it's fun driving, getting over to a place they, they call Strahan, S-T-R-A-H-A-N, Strahan. Uh, next time down, Paul, you really should go to... Have you been to Queenstown yet? I have not been to Queenstown um, or Strahan. Um, you know, that, that's at the north... The northern part of the um, Franklin-Gordon-Wild Rivers National Park, which is that... Right. Southwest third of the country that has a single road, and right. um, so you can you can get around the edges and uh, Cradle Mountain uh, right. National Park fabulous? is right close there, which is a sp- I have not been there. My daughter oh, oh it's has, magnificent. Yeah, I've done some hiking and climbing in that area, um, but it puts you on the on the west coast. And Jerry, you're right; it, it is a very different. Uh, very different than the East Coast. Um, I did go from Hobart immediately south down to an area called Southport, and uh, I think it's called the South Cape. And mm-hmm. uh, the road ends, it's a dirt road, it ends um, at a place called Ida Bay. Right. And from then, there's a two-day walk, I think, it's to get to the southernmost part of Tasmania. And there is nothing between that point and uh, Antarctica but the Southern Ocean. So you get the sense of such a rugged place that has been in that same state for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's no other way to get into that area. Uh, except by boat or plane. Um, so uh, by going to the north coast and then coming back down through the central part of the country, you, you really get to see the, the great differences between the parts of Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as you come back uh, toward Hobart, and I like the way they say Hobart, they go, Hobart. <laughs> uh, as you come back that way, you'll go... You must stop at Russell's Falls. Russell's Falls, Russell's Falls is um, one of the most beautiful, uh, romantic, relaxing waterfalls I've ever seen. Uh, it's in sort of a, well, it's like in uh, Northwest Washington State where you, you have um, all the ferns and it's cold, cool, and rainy sometimes. But there's waterfalls 
way down the mountain. And it's it's absolutely spectacular to go out there. And it's that's in Mount Field National Park, isn't it, Jerry? Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's well worth a trip to stop there. Uh you can do it in one day, um, from Hobart. And um it's a long day, particularly if you stop in um New Norfolk. New North New North N O R F O okay. New Nor no I can't even say it in English. An American. Norfolk. Nor Norfolk. New Norfolk. But they go in the Norfolk. And this is where the hops are raised uh, for beer. And yeah, you can see hop hop fields everywhere along the Durant River. And um it, it's a very English town. Very English town this uh in Norfolk. Um amazing little place and I wouldn't really stay there unless uh, they have some wonderful hotels along the river and pubs in the town and it's a neat little town to walk around I don't know how many live there but I don't think more than oh probably not more than 2,000 so every town there is small as I mentioned earlier but it's a wonderful place I lived there three months uh, in the winter and I said we had 45 days of dense fog. You could not even see across the street 70% of the time. And um, people drive around, though. It's like people in Utah when there's a blizzard, people just get out and drive anyway. But uh, you, I, I didn't drive much because I was afraid um, I'd come up to a car. Well, you know, when you're driving on a, on a road with fog and a car stops ahead of you, you can't see it until you're there. So... Um, that drive around I, the island. Go ahead. I I took I did that trip from uh, Hobart up through New Norfolk and um, that valley, and then to the Mount Field National Park, Russell Falls. Mm-hmm. I did that. Um, I also took the side trip up to the ski resort, which is uh, almost at Mount Field itself. Um, yeah, and, and I did it in a day. It was a long day, and I wish right. I had done it in two days um but it was a beautiful drive uh, and this was in april um and it, it was a beautiful drive uh lovely little cafes and coffee shops along the way um and then uh the, the russell falls which which truly is spectacular and it's not a difficult walk to get up and see it no um, it's very at easy. all and um so it's something that that anybody can do, um, but it, yeah, it, it's it's a very very nice place to go, and and everything is accessible. Um, yeah. And the, the Huon Valley we were talking about the Huon Valley, the agriculture there is is marvelous. But the the Huon River that comes in and opens up then into uh, the channel, which is between the mainland and Bruny Island that we talked mm-hmm. about, uh, a lot of inlets and little towns and marinas and so forth in in that area. Um, it's, it's just a lot of fun, and yet it's it's not very far from Hobart, um, and so it's a it's a lovely way to get and see another part of the island uh, very easily. 
Um, would you tell uh, about the ferry ride? Oh, you did. Did you tell about the ferry ride on the show? Uh, the boat ride? Oh, you did, about from Port Arthur. Oh, up. around Port Arthur, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's called um, Pentecost is uh, Tours is the name of the company, and it's probably the main one in the Hobart, in Tasmania, in that area. Um, and you can you can get a ride from Hobart all the way around to Port Arthur. I would not recommend it because then you'd miss out on that lovely drive uh, to Port Arthur. Um, but that's the name of the company. They also do some tours of Bruny Island. Uh, although, again, uh, I would recommend that you take that car drive and catch the ferry at Kettering, go to Bruny Island, and uh, spend a day or so exploring the island and the national park. Um, but th that's the name of the company that, that does it. There are a lot of tour companies in Tasmania uh, of varying degrees of, of uh, difficulty, if you will. Um, there are a lot of hiking and, and trekking companies. There are a lot of bus tour companies uh, that will take you along, for example, the West Coast. Um, but you probably don't need to do those. And uh, I think going to Tasmania with a schedule is probably not the thing to do. Right. Uh, because you want, yeah, you want the opportunity to kind of take that side road or linger a little bit in one of the small towns that you visit. Um, and because that gets you in touch with the people that live there who are wonderful um, and more of the culture. And, and then you get to see things maybe that, that most people who take those tours don't get to see. Um, I, I, I took more than one drive down the Huon Valley and the Huon River uh, on both sides of the river. And uh, every time I found some different turnoff that I wanted to stop at, uh, take photos, go for a little walk uh, away from the road up into a, to a vista, uh, and that sort of thing. So, And I think there are a lot of things, even within the Hobart area, that uh, you, you, you get a, a guide to Tasmania and a guide to the Hobart region and just explore. Um, the uh, Mount Nelson uh, Lighthouse, which is a 20-minute drive from Hobart, uh, kind of a winding road to get there, and from the top you can see all the way out to Port Arthur. Um, and there's also the most marvelous coffee shop that has the best scones and breakfast you'll ever have on the top of Mount, of Mount Nelson. <laughs> so it, it's, it's not that big of a place that I think you really need someone to guide you along. And the, um, the Tasmanian government has put a lot of resources behind welcoming tourists and, uh, and 
giving tourists the idea of where they can go and how to get there. And, and uh, so I think, uh, you know, if you're short on time and there's only a couple of things you want to see, yeah. but if you want to spend some time to really get to know the country, uh, then yeah, rent a car, drive on the left and go visit the place. Um, and as you I mentioned, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I have to tell you also about another uh, place that I went, uh, Mariah Island, which is... Oh, isn't that fantastic? Uh, it is a fantastic place. And uh, Mariah Island was also a convict colony, although in its history, um, it was only a convict colony for about 30 years. Mm-hmm. And it, um, of the 200-something years that it's been uh, populated, but it is now a nature preserve, uh, and it's also the uh, the place where they are attempting to uh, restore the Tasmanian devil population. Because there's a, a horrible virus that has uh, rendered the Tasmanian devil almost extinct, and so there's a yeah, and so there's a great effort to to rebuild the population, and Mariah Island is the place to do that. Um, you take a boat across, uh, and people do visit for a day uh, the convict colony and, and uh, some of the area around that. Uh, but uh, if you can camp, you can camp, and you can actually get a room in the old penitentiary, which is where I stayed, which was fascinating. Um, and uh, the wildlife that's there, uh, you most likely will see uh, Tasmanian devil uh, on the island. Um, so it's a great place to go. It's sort of in between that true adventure travel and uh, a more comfortable, civilized travel. Um, but Mariah Island isn't the only place like that, that um, you can get to fairly easily and and yet be really out in the wilderness. Um, there is there's no electricity to speak of on Mariah Island. So at night on a clear sky, it the sky is amazing. The stars are just amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the sort of experience that is available to you on in Tasmania, as well as the fine restaurants and and uh, and the museums. Um, so, uh, so, would you agree, Paul, that for the average tourist that really wants to drive around Australia, uh, Tasmania, that um, you need a minimum of two weeks? I I think a minimum of two weeks. Um, I think if more if you can get it, um, but if you if you Take that two weeks and um, give yourself time in the areas, you know, the, the southeast part of the country near Hobart. Um, you're going to have a wonderful time. You're going to see a lot of really wonderful places, have nice experiences, and you're going to also, like I did, identify those places you want to see on your second trip. Um, and that, and that, you will go back. <laughs> oh, you will. You, you definitely will. Um, yeah. One thing I I would like to talk to you guys about is getting there. <laughs> okay. Um, you know I 
I'm not an experienced traveler, and so um, my first trip was, was quite an adventure. But, Jerry, how did, what was your experience? I mean, you went a lot, and you obviously travel a lot, but, you know, flying to Sydney is a long way. And it is. And the, that's the problem of very, very, very few um, North American tourists go to Tasmania because, I mean, it's a long way, nonstop. Uh, from L.A., for example, to Brisbane or Sydney and Melbourne. We're talking 14, 15 hours. And they, most people only go to Australia one time, and um, they go to the highlights, which everyone does, say maybe two weeks at the most, and then uh, go back. And having driven around Australia, I've lived in Australia about three years and been there at least 25 times, um, I like Tasmania the best. It's my favorite part of Australia, bar none. The best weather is in Perth, but the uh, most interesting, the most relaxing, the most um, fantastic, beautiful, contrasting, as you've talked about, area is Tasmania. And everyone that I have recommended to go there uh, through travel advice and friends, um, has come back and said, oh, my word, forget the rest of the continent. <laughs> Just go to Tassie and, and stay there because you can do almost anything you want. Well, there's no Great Barrier Reef, uh, but they have kangaroos. Uh, they have everything they have in the mainland uh, except large cattle, cattle stations and ranches, and it, um, it's fabulous. But how do I get there? I, um, because, as I said, you need two weeks there. And I just fly uh, nonstop to Melbourne or Sydney. I get there in the morning, and I change planes, and I fly. I, I usually, because I lived uh, nine months, uh, well, uh, six months in uh, Launceston the first time. Um, I have an affinity with that. I usually fly to Launceston. I, I mean, as I mentioned, I've gone to Melbourne and uh, taken the ferry across to Devonport uh, twice, and um, which is a good way to do it. Uh, I'd rather just fly there and get there. But and then I um, rent my car, and off I go. Uh, now, flying from Melbourne or Sydney nonstop to Hobart is um, an extremely viable way to do it. Um, now, there's two schools of thought, and, it, and there's, it goes like going to Hawaii. Some people say you must go to Honolulu first and then go to the other islands. I don't. I go to the other islands in Hawaii and stay there and do what I'm going to do, and I end in Honolulu um, to do what I want to do uh, because most people end up doing their shopping and getting their pineapples and all of that stuff there, and, and then you can go home. Uh, and with uh, Tassie, uh, I usually end in Hobart um, because oh, I... That's a wonderful idea. Uh, the reason I do that and I don't always do it because I've been there many times, but I usually do end in Hobart because uh, Hobart, as you've talked, is a phenomenal little town. I mean, you can do so much. And the, the history and the, and the architecture and the museums. I mean, you can, as you say, you can stay a week in Hobart. And I like to end there because then I have a, an unbiased, as I call it, opinion of Tasmania. 
I, I really start to understand it as I drive around it or through it or either coast and uh, then end in Hobart as a climax. And I do that 90, well, maybe not 90, 80% of the time when I go, even now after all these times. And um, I, I just find it's a better way for me to do it um, in, in the city because the, I've learned um, in travel, start big, and start with a bang and end with a bang. And I like to start with something totally foreign to me, like the rest of Tasmania is unlike any other place in the world. Well, it sort of, and I'm going to be lying here, but it's something like going to Nova Scotia, um, it, where it's very different in many ways than the rest of Canada. And Tasmania is very different than the rest of Australia. And so I like to start with the overview of the place, get a feel for the culture, the food, the people, the lifestyle, and even the language. I mean, there are parts of Tasmania that you can hardly understand them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're speaking I, English. <laughs> yeah. It's like going to Scotland. <laughs> oh, it, that's so true. And uh, my, my son-in-law, uh, Eric, which is then he... Um, of course, managing a, a vineyard, he has lots of contact with tradespeople and and so forth. And and sometimes you just look at them like I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> but on the other hand, um, you know, you, you ride a bus. You know, the bus the bus routes and the public transportation in the Hobart area is wonderful. Um, in the United States, you get on a bus and nobody talks to anybody. Mm -hmm. I met so many people and had so many long conversations with people on the bus in Hobart. Right. It was just amazing. Um, yeah. Um, the are so friendly. Oh, yes. And I really like that idea, Jerry, of going, starting in a place that's remote that's truly different than your own experience and then working your way back to something that's more akin to what you, you're used to. I really like that idea. Um, I, I want to get up into the, to the northwest part of Tasmania. Um, but you know, the way I would do it now, because I have a base, my daughter, where she lives, um, I can afford to go there and, and for a month or more and spend that time. Um, and Sid, I, I've never spent any time in Sydney. I would like to. It looks like a beautiful, beautiful place. Oh, it's one of the and most fabulous capitals in the well, not capitals, but one of the most fabulous cities in the world is Sydney. Yeah, Definitely but Sydney is. and and the mainland of Australia, it, you can't stop there. Uh, I do no. believe you do need to go south and uh, and see see Tasmania. Um, see the more re remote places and um so yeah it, it is a beautiful place and i i cannot recommend more highly that people visit um take the time plan your again trip to get there carefully um and because it is a long ways um oh and, and, and i found this my my daughter gave me this suggestion when you go to australia uh, and you're going on to uh, any place to, in domestically, 
in Australia and particularly Tasmania, you fly into Melbourne. Mm-hmm. The Sydney airport, the domestic airport, is separate from the international. Oh, I know it. It's horrible. So you've got to get all your luggage and get on a bus and travel to the domestic airport right. uh, after customs, and it's not easy. Right. Uh, with Melbourne, both the international and domestic are in the same terminal. So after you clear customs, you can very easily drop off your luggage for your domestic flight, go to your gate, and you you skip a lot of difficulty, yes. frankly. That's a very and, good point, Paul. Yeah, and then coming back, uh, go through Sydney um, or Melbourne, either one. Um, Sydney is a wonderful airport. Of course, you check everything through in Hobart, and you have your one carry-on, and that's all you need for the flight all the way back to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, bearing in mind that uh, while I would leave Hobart probably uh, at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I would arrive in Los Angeles about 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock the same day. Yeah, it blows um, my mind. <laughs> which, yeah, it's kind of a shock, uh, but there is a 17-hour difference between uh, Hobart uh, and uh, the United States, the West Coast of the United States. Um, Yeah, you know, I have crossed the journey. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. I've crossed the international dateline way over 100 times, probably 150 times more. And, you know, I still am in a state of shock. How can you fly for 15 hours and from either Hong Kong or anywhere over there, Sydney and Melbourne, and get there before you left? I, I, yeah, I, I still don't understand it. The only thing I do is I just look at the clock because I'm waiting for immigration, and I say, okay, that's what time it is, and try not to think that it can't be that time. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, Paul, it's been great having you with us. It It is. It is. Um, the, I think the, the Australians generally, but Tasmanians in particular, um, enjoy their, ta- their free time. Um, there are a lot of festivals and uh, events, uh, both summer and winter, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Tasmania and Hobart. Um, and... Uh, when there's a holiday, it's a holiday for everyone. Uh, the stores close. Uh, Christmas time is wonderful. Everything is closed. Retail, everything is yeah. closed before Christmas until January, and which is which is a lovely way to live. And yeah. uh, it's a it's a place that you get to visit for a few weeks and live that same way. Right. Oh well, thank you so much for inviting me.